You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Open your Bibles. We're back into the book of Joshua. We're still in chapter 8. My intention, my full intention when I started, and I know I've done a series in Joshua before, I just needed strongly in my heart, felt like I wanted to go back there, and God gave me good liberty to do so. And I really wanted to spend um, my time on, on Joshua himself to show you what kind of a man he was and the kind of example he was, uh, you know, well, to me while I was reading through the scriptures and hopefully to the rest of us here, how God can be an example, or Joshua can be an, an example to our lives how to uh, take a strong stand for the things of the Lord. As I've said, he's a very strong military leader. Military leaders, usually that type A personality, you know, um, kind of a guy that'll take the lead and uh, has a tendency sometimes to, as we've been studying in our Sunday school lesson, sometimes those kind of people uh, can can mow people over and don't know it. Uh, They can be the bull in the china closet, Um, you know, knocking everything over sometimes. But I have to tell you, Joshua was a man trained under a good, humble, meek man, Moses, and learned some tremendous traits as a leader. And I I have to say, I've been blessed by his ministry, humble ministry, and yet when it was time to take charge, this man took charge and made sure things got done. And uh, God used him in a great way. Made a couple of mistakes along the way. Um... One of them we just read about as they were heading up to take over little Ai, just a little bitty town. They'd taken down Jericho just by walking around it and, uh, and then shouting. And then Ai, surely 3,000 is going to be enough. We'll take them out. And you and I both know, if you, if you, you know, paid attention to what we tried to study and talk about, was after they had suffered a tremendous defeat and lost men in the battle, and it was horrible, and he's laying on the ground weeping and crying, God basically says, why are you on the ground crying? Get up. You've got sin in the camp. In other words, it wasn't time to pray now. Time to pray was before you went to battle. Then you would have found out that there's sin in the camp. I would have shown you that I'm not going to go out with you, and uh, you wouldn't have suffered like you did. I'd much rather put my prayer on the front side of an expedition than I would on the back side after I've suffered some major defeats. And that's what happened to Joshua. Also, when we get into the next chapter, chapter 9, you're going to find he makes very similar mistake. And uh, it's, it's going to cost him dearly the rest of his life and for the rest of the Jewish life. It will. A uh, very similar mistake. But before we get uh, to chapter 9, I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to skip over these last few verses. doesn't really have a lot to do with Joshua's life, but it does in a tremendously big way. I would have been remiss to have uh, gone past these. So we're in Joshua chapter 8. Again, God's given them victory now over Ai. Um, I mean, second time was best for them. Uh, first time was ugly defeat, and second time they, they did the battle right, and they've won. And now they're going to take care of some business that God had commanded them that he was supposed to do. 
and this was a command months ago, long time ago, this command was given, and now he's just simply fulfilling what God had told them to do many years before this, and I'll, I'll share that with you tonight, so let's, let's kind of get into this tonight. Chapter 8 and verse 30. Uh, maybe I can give a title to my message. It's going to be, New Territory Requires a Fresh Commitment. New Territory Requires a Fresh Commitment. Look in verse 30. Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. If I could pause there just real quick. Um, to go to that place, if I'm not mistaken, if my studies have served me properly, they had to travel uh, somewhere near 20 miles to get to this place. And it was a place that was uh, shaped in such a way that it had like an amphitheater kind of a setting to it, so that when you would speak, it would echo off the walls around them, uh, the hills and the mountains around them, and they could be heard, he could be heard better as he's beginning to read. Well, you say, what is he going to read? And we'll see that here just in a moment. Verse 31, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man hath lift up any iron, and they offered there, thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. And all Israel, and their elders, and officers, and their judges stood on this side the ark and on that side before the priests, the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well the stranger as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim, and half of them over against Mount Ebal. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, listen to this, guys, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them, those that were able to, to talk at that point and know the language and so forth. So let's have a word of prayer and I'll get into this message here tonight. God, I'm thankful to be back in the house of God this evening. It's been a blessing to be able to sing uh, our songs to you, Lord, and to hear songs sung to your praise. And uh, we would just like to tell you once again, thank you for all the blessings, God, you've bestowed upon us um, so generously and um, we so undeserving, God, and yet we say thank you. You've been good to us. I pray tonight that you'll take your word and speak to our hearts. Uh, I pray that we would have a heart that could be spoken to and that the word of God would have an impact on us even here tonight as we yield ourselves to you and pray for your blessing now. In Jesus' name, amen. I was looking backwards on school, when I went to school, um, and was thinking of all the different phases that I went through. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to go to kindergarten. I was, yep, I was one of those my mom had to take by the hand and walk in, and when I, when I watched my mommy turn around and walk away, I was standing there crying. She's like, Philip, now you going in there, it's going to be okay. And my twin sister was in there already having a good time. 
but uh, I mean, that was a big deal to me. Kindergarten, guys, that was, that's a new phase in my life. And I, uh, you know, life was fun at the house, playing out in the backyard and doing things at the house. And, and to go to this thing called school and then to get into kindergarten, then of course you, you uh, move way on up from there and you get into elementary school and then you've kicked it up a few notches and now you've got to learn some things you never dreamed you were going to be learning. And so while you're in elementary and working your way on up, then we would uh, hear the kids talk about getting into junior high school. And uh, finally, I made it into junior high school, you know, uh, spent three years in third grade. That was, uh, like I said, best three years of my life. Um, not really, but um, made it into junior high school, and, uh, and now it was a whole new playing field altogether. Uh, you know, you're back down on the bottom rung, and those other guys that have been there a year or two more than you, and the other high schoolers that you bumped into every now and then, it's just new territory. It's a different place in life to be. Uh, from elementary, my hardest, and I'm just going to say spiritually, the hardest switch for me was going from elementary into junior high school. Junior high school is where peer pressure really became very strong. Um, kids uh, trying to get you to do the things that you know they thought was cool to do or uh, fun to be able to do, and if you didn't do it, you wouldn't be you know in the in group and. So I, I got to that new level, and I, I knew that it was an area that I had to reacquaint myself with and relearn some things about this new level until I got all the way up into high school, and then, boy, did things really kick in then. That, I thought I was in a new playing field in junior high, but when I made it up into high school, that was absolutely a, a new playing field. If you're going to take a stand for God, you've got to take a stand for God. I figured that out. I, I, I wish I could go back and relive those years again and redo some things that I kind of gave into in my high school years. Um, but honestly, it was a new level for me. And it just seemed like the playing field was not level. It, it seemed like even the teachers were not always uh, uh, for somebody that would try to take a stand for godly kind of things. And so uh, if you're not careful, each new level that you make your way to in you know, making your way through school, um, it isn't, it's new territory for you. And if you don't have a commitment to go along with you into each one of these new territories, you will find yourself just blending right in with what every, everybody else and everything else is going on around you. You will just blend in with them. In some cases, I did. As I said, I, I regret sincerely some things where I, I blended in. In other ways, I was able to lead some friends to the Lord in some other areas, and so it was just kind of a back and forth kind of a time for me. Then, man, you graduate from high school, and now you're free. Man, you go out in the world, and life is just so easy after that. <laughs> How many times have you ever said, I wish I could go back to high school, I wish I could go back to elementary school, man, that was the easiest time of my life and uh, get out into the world, and you, now you, you are the one paying for your car. Dad's not going to pay for this and that. Man, when I got out in the workforce, I'm telling you, whole brand new field. High school was like kindergarten compared to when I had to step out and, and get a job in the world. And I've told you guys over the years some of the things I faced when I, um, when I got this, uh, this job. I worked at uh, a paper factory, we made uh, notebook paper and things of this nature, but the workers there were ungodly. Most of them did not know the Lord, and uh, me and my friend Rick Click, and uh, 
And I think there might have been one other Christian that we knew were, was saved there. But man, we was in new territory. And listen, I can promise you this. If I did not determine that in this new level of territory I'm in, that I'm going to live for God, I promise you I would have gone down so hard. I had guys coming up and asking me, you know, if I knew what it meant to this and I and had I ever been involved in this and I invited me over to their place after work and found out why they wanted me there to try to introduce me to uh, to drugs and so forth and God was with me and I had to learn some new things in every new territory that I stepped into and I will tell you this that in every new territory that you step into in life unless there's a spot in your life before you really head into it very strongly that you stop and make a recommitment with the things of God, I'm just going to tell you, every new territory has its downfalls for, just waiting for you. The, every next level or the next step that you take. And uh, for those of you that I've had the privilege to pastor for many, many, many years, I've watched many of you grow in levels. And some of you just in the last several years, I've, I've been blessed to watch how you've gone from one level to another level and you've taken on uh, new responsibilities and you've been willing to try to do some other things in life uh, even in your social world you'll tell me how you're trying to take a step up and and to, to, to make a new stand in places you've never had to take a stand before and if we could just understand tonight Israel was coming into this new territory I understand they'd already crossed the Jordan River I know they'd already uh, uh, taken the walls of Jericho had come down and now Ai has been defeated but there's a whole lot of territory yet to be wiped out and to clean to be cleaned off this was new ground for them and this is a place where they needed to stop before they really got out into it very deeply and God knew this and just stop right where you're at and put up an altar and rededicate their lives back to the word of God so that as they step out into this territory, they'll be recommitted, uh, reestablished in the things of God. So let's kind of walk into this and, and walk through it with me here tonight, if you would. God had given the law to Israel already once. We know that. We, we know uh, that it had come on Mount Sinai. Uh, if you remember, there was fire and smoke and the shaking of the mountain. I mean, when Moses went up to get the, the Ten Commandments, it scared the people to death. No man or animal other than Moses and Joshua were allowed to even come up near the mountain. Remember that? Much less touch it. Uh, and the first time, remember, Moses came back down the mountain with the law in his hands and found Israel sinning. And, uh, and in anger, he broke the law. And he went back up a second time and came back with the law again. Now listen to this. Israel at that time was fresh out of Egypt. They had just come out of uh, the, the place that represents the world. They no doubt, guys, smelled like the garlics and the leeks they would soon be crying about. You ever been around somebody who's taken garlic tabs? I've been around you guys. Yeah. And they loved their garlics back there in Egypt. The Israelites really did. And later on began griping and complaining because, man, we'd have been better off just to go back. We miss our melons and the garlics and the leeks. And no doubt, coming fresh out of Egypt, you know, they probably had the scent of those kind of things still about them. 
the habits and the manners of the Egyptians was very much uh, emblazoned on their minds. The many Egyptian small g gods could still be seen probably uh, graven on the items that were given to them as they were rushed out of Egypt. Remember that? They spoiled uh, the Egyptians as they were going out. The ladies were saying, here, take this and take this, just get out of here. And no doubt on some of those items was maybe a little image of their small g gods on some of the items they had given to them, possibly. That night of the death angel, you remember that? I mean, listen to me. Israel reeked of Egypt. They couldn't help it. They were immersed in it. Their children were born there. They were born and raised there. And God wanted them to strip away the ways of the world and to hear a law that would drive them toward God and away from the the heathen that they were so used to. Now, we're going now, where we're at now in Joshua chapter 9. We're we're going across the wilderness now. Uh, A whole generation has died off. They've wandered through the wilderness all those years. You're familiar with that. They have now crossed over the Jordan River, and now they're in brand new territory. Israel is now in the promised land. And this is the land where the people of God can have their own land. This is not, uh, you know, the wilderness territory. This is not old Egypt that belonged to the pharaohs and all those people. This is going to be our land. God has given it to us. This is the land where Jehovah God is God and not the many faceted gods of Egypt. And God wants a people who are separated unto himself. That's what's really important to God. He wants a peculiar people. The heathen kings and all their idols are going to have to be completely eradicated out of this land. And there was a bunch of them, guys. They did wicked things in this land. God hated the practices of the Canaanites that were there before Israel would uh, shove and, and wipe them out. God will not tolerate competition with his holiness and with his people. He just won't. God will not allow us to get into new territories in life, new phases, you know, a new level in life, uh, and and then allow us just to kind of blend in with everything else that's in this new territory that we've uh, finally come to. So before they ever stepped foot in the promised land, way back when, God gave Israel a command to keep once they'd stepped into their newfound territory. I want to show you this and remind you of... Back in Deuteronomy 27, will you go back there with me? Just a few pages probably. Deuteronomy chapter 27, one book back. And when you get there, find Deuteronomy 27 and look at the command that God gave here. And you see them here fulfilling that command. Deuteronomy 27, look in verses um, 4 and 5. Notice it says in verse 4, Therefore it shall be when ye be gone over Jordan, he's looking into the future now, when they'll be going on across the wilderness and so forth, when ye be gone over Jordan, that ye shall set up these stones, which I command you this day, in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster. And there shalt thou build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones. Thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon them. You can just pause there and just go back over now to Joshua. So here we are. We've found them now in obedience to that command way back in Deuteronomy uh, many, many, many days ago. And here they are, finally, Joshua is fulfilling what God had commanded them to do. 
So let me give you just a couple of thoughts about what we just read here tonight. Joshua gets up to Mount Ebal and he builds this altar. So number one, it was supposed to be an altar of complete dedication to God. You say, that's pretty obvious, don't you think, preacher? Yeah, it is, but it's not always observed. Uh, Something that would seem very obvious to many people is not always observed that way. Uh, We can get, uh, in our Christian life, we can get to different places in life where you know exactly what ought to be done, but we don't always observe what we know ought to be done. It's, It's something that is very obvious, but sometimes we'll slip right on past that. So God had told them, if you followed along with me, uh, he said, I I don't want you to carve the stones when you're going to build this altar. Don't carve the stones out. Uh, Don't try to smooth them out. Don't try to put a pretty face to them. Uh, I want you to pick these rocks up, and when you come over and set them up for uh, this altar that you're going to be offering uh, a sacrifice to me on, I want those stones to look just like they were when they were sitting out in the territory I don't want you to put your hands to them. And God didn't want his altar to have any resemblance to the way of the heathen. Um, What the heathen liked to do was they would build altars and they would carve them and they would make them look ornate and they would look beautiful and polish them up. They wouldn't want any of the old moss and dirt that was left from the ground where they picked them up to be on there because their God, you know, they wanted to honor their God and they'd make it look really beautiful but what they got to doing was honoring the altar more than the God they were really intended to be honoring. And God knew that. And God did not want his people uh, taking on any kind of the practices of the world that was around them. Remember, guys, they're in new territory. They're at a a new ground, so to speak. And it's going to take a real true recommitment to the things of God. And God doesn't want this to have the markings of man on it. All God wants is the things that he sets up needs to point directly to God and God alone. If there's anything that's going to look beautiful to the Israelites, if there's anything that's going to make them stand back and say, wow, that's really, that's pretty awesome. God doesn't want it to be the altar where the animal lays on. God wants it to be the God that it points to, that loved them and has led them all the way across the wilderness and has brought them to this place. God wanted him to be the one that was the pinnacle or the point that they would be worshiping and being pointed to. God's ways are separate and they're distinct from the world. And it would do us guys well to remember that just because the world does something one way, that shouldn't become the pattern for how we worship God our way as well. I, I, I know, uh, you remember what I just said now, uh, don't carve the stones up, don't make them look beautiful and ornate, that's the way the heathens did it, that are in your land right now, the Canaanites that are there, that I want wiped out, they do it that way, and I don't want any semblance of the way they do it, just put the stones there, offer the sacrifice, and I'll be honored by what you do. So we have to remember that, we don't have to take on the way of the, if you want to call it the heathen, or the way of the world. Just because many other places are worshiping a certain way or doing things in a manner that it's like, preacher, what, what do you think about if we try some of these ways? And let me just quickly say this. I have no problem with uh, getting better at things and communicating better. And, and, I, and I don't have a problem with uh, putting things up on the wall and, and so forth. And I know there are fears about us becoming the church on the wall and all those kinds of things. I don't have a problem with doing those things if it helps enhance the message and what we're trying to say 
But if we begin to uh, try to enhance a service and, and the way that the world likes uh, a service to be to where we begin to compromise on the Word of God, then we have no right uh, scripturally to be, uh, to be going off into ways that churches ought not to be worshiping God in the ways of the world. And, uh, and, and, and again, I, I understand there's some things maybe we could get a little sharper on and, and maybe be a little better at. I have no doubt about that. But I, I, I don't want to begin to adopt the ways of the world to try to worship God to draw a crowd uh, because that's what the world out there likes. God's not concerned with what the world likes. God is concerned that He gets the honor and the glory and that our eyes are not focused on how beautiful things on this earth are, but how great a God God really is. If in a church service, guys, listen, if in a church service things didn't go just the way you thought they ought to go and, and, uh, and maybe, uh, you know, this could have been a little better or I think uh, that church could have been a, a better service if they had done this or acted like that, or, or you even felt like, you know, we kind of messed up in this or that. Let me just tell you, it's not so much about us and what's down here. If your heart's right with God, and if you just really want God to be honored and glorified, that's all God is looking for. God's looking for people that'll make sure it's he, Him being the one that is, uh, is magnified and lifted up. So this altar was to be the way the stones were found naturally laying on the ground. All this altar was to do was to point to the one being sacrificed for Sometimes we can just start adding a little bit too much of us in, in, a, in a church service so that, you know, people notice me or, you know, the way something was done rather than God himself. I would love it if people walked out of our church service and just all they ever said, I, I wouldn't care if they didn't say, we liked your building. I wouldn't care if they didn't say, you know, preacher liked your, uh, your uh, preaching style. I don't care. I don't care if they don't walk out of here and say, uh, you know, uh, we love singing the old hymns. But what I hope they say walking out of a church service here is, it just seemed like God was being honored in that service. God help us to have that same desire. I mean, we're all coming to new levels in our life. We're all reaching places in our life where there's new things coming at us almost daily. And God is very clear about this. I want you to make sure you don't do things in such a way that you begin to take on the mannerisms of the world that's around you. Um, again, sometimes we can begin to take on too much of us instead of the ways of God. God will have none of that. The animal sacrifices and the plainness of the altar were clear indications that this was to be, to be holy, just wholly dedicated to God. It was to cause us to lose sight of man and his abilities and his talents and look to heaven to the one who brought them to the place where they really are. God help us tonight to lose sight of our own talents and, and my abilities and focus on the one who has brought us to the place where we are tonight. Uh, I know many of you are in new territory. I know many of you have grown to a place that you've not been before. And I know God has brought many of you into areas that are just so new to you, you don't even know how you're going to handle it. Just make sure where you go that God is going to be getting the glory. Number two tonight, this altar was to be a recognition of their responsibilities in a new land. God has shown Israel that he will give complete victory if they will follow his commands. But now, 
I mean, these new possessions, this new place they finally uh, uh, attained, I mean, they, they've wandered through the wilderness how many years now? And they finally come into that land, the territory that's been promised to them for so many years, this new land flowing with milk and honey. It's not theirs to do with as they want. And if you're not careful, guys, and you get into some new phase in your life or you grow to a certain level in your life, you can almost feel like you are owed something. I mean, I, I, I've gotten to this place, I've grown all these years, and, and you know, cut me some slack can kind of become the attitude. Things don't apply to me like they used to. I mean, that's when we were little. I mean, those, yeah, we knew those things when we were just little kids, but I'm grown up now. Don't try to lay those rules on me and, and whatever, I don't know how you would say it. But guys, they got there by the grace and the mercy of God, and they are to live there by the grace and the mercy of God. That's all God was wanting them to know and to understand. There needs to be a clear understanding that as they have reached this new place in life, it's not a life to be lived by their own human design. I, I know you fought and clawed your way now into the promised land, but this place is not going to be lived by your design. It's got to be by mine, God is trying to drive them to. In other words, they may master the Canaanites, but they are only servants before God. Um, Tish and Joe, my uh, son-in-law and daughter down in El Paso, had been gone last week, and they had gotten back last evening. And um, she sent out a text to me and my other daughters that uh, we just got home um, to El Paso uh, to have a visitor greet us in our house. You ladies will love this. On their kitchen floor was a tarantula curled up in a little ball. I mean, that's when you burn the house down. I don't know. <laughs> Small price to pay. I mean, torch it. I told her. Fire. I told her that. <laughs> How's the, how do you get a tarantula in your house? Those things are like this. They're like that. How did that get in her house? I said, you need to nail boards all over that place before you leave. You, know, you need to put uh, strips on the bottom of your door. Somehow they're sliding in. They creep in when you don't even know it. They're so subtle about how they do that. That's the second one, by the way, they have found. Huh. You know, there's a subtle danger that creeps into the life of the Christian who has obtained new possessions and new territory. Guys, listen to this. We can begin to feel like we've reached a place in life where I am, I said it a while ago, I'm owed a certain amount of slackness concerning the rules. And you don't know it, but you're saying it to God. You know, I'm past that elementary stuff, and I'm at a new level in my life now. And this subtle feeling begins to slip into your heart. And you can come to the house of God, and you can teach your Sunday school classes, and you can, whatever it is you serve God with, and go right on home, and you've got an attitude that's very, very dangerous sitting in your heart in a brand new territory where you've begun to kind of slack off on the rule of God. But God has a pattern. He brought it out very clearly to them. Uh, the, 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 the law was written on the stones of that altar very clearly. And Joshua stood up knowing that we're in brand new territory. And guys, it, it, he, I can see him trying to get this across to them. Just because we fought our way to where we're at tonight and we're in this brand new land and territory, uh, you're not entitled 
uh, to things that you've never had before spiritually necessarily. You're not entitled to slack off in the things of God. And a matter of fact, as God taught us, I'm going to write the law out here and I'm going to read it to you word for word. And tonight, we're going to recommit to the things of God in this new territory. We're going to establish right here and now that it's by this book that we are going to live our lives. And I just want everybody to know what the, the book says. I want us to reestablish it. Some of it will be old news to you, but some of it will be a reminder that you have forgotten about. And we're going to reestablish it right here and now that we're going to live by the Word of God. Those two mounts, one representing the curse and the blessing. And it's very clear what the Word of God is to us. If I want to walk in the ways of God, and if I want to have a, a, a fellowship with the Lord and and, and to know that it's the hand of God leading my life, and it's the Spirit of God that's leading my life, then, then I'll have the blessing of God. I, I will choose to live by this book. But if I get to this new place in life, I, I'm at a new level now. I, I, I've grown up quite a little bit now. I'm, I'm older now, and I know better now, and I can, I can live my life in a certain way. And I, I don't have to always do it exactly like the book is done. Guys, you're sliding over to the, the Mount of the Curse. And that's what he tried to get him to understand. There's blessings and there's a curse. The choice really is yours. In this land, which way are you going to choose to live? Let's, let's read through that law one more time. Let's reestablish where we are going to stand on the Word of God. And I just want, can you hear Joshua? I just want this congregation to know this is the book that we'll live our lives by. The rest of Canaan has to be conquered yet. How are they going to do that? Every, every new battle that you win, are you going to feel like now that uh, you have some kind of ownership in this thing? That you're owed something? Not at all. It's all of God. I don't know if you've reached a place where you have, as I've been saying tonight, this entitlement attitude that slipped into your soul like, you know, again, God owes me some slack. You would never say those words, but that's the way you've begun to live. Maybe the rules just don't really apply to me. And your personal life has begun to show it. Hey, listen, your personal life has begun to show it. You're, you're showing signs of drifting backwards into your, in your dedication to God. You're, you're, you're letting up on things that you would never have let up on before. Things that you knew were not right to do. You're, you're starting to allow those to happen in your life because you're owed something now. But you're not owed anything. We, we owe God everything. We owe Him our life and our, our dedication. And we ought to daily lay our lives down in total sacrifice to the Lord. So tonight... Before we get into chapter 9, and I'm not going there tonight, but before I preach on that, I just felt like it was really critical for us. I, I think tonight would just be a good night for us, maybe just to build an altar and to dedicate ourselves fresh and anew to this book and just determine, God, where I'm at in my life, uh, I'd like to do a little inventory. Could you just show me tonight? Have I, have I slacked off a little bit? Have I begun to live in such a way that it's not really all that critical in some areas in this book. And to do and say and live out some things in my life that are just not where God would have me to be. Maybe it's a good time tonight, like, like Joshua, just to build an altar, find a place where I can get with the Lord tonight, and just recommit to live my life by this book.
We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.